church. Amen. Praise God. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I'm so thankful for everything that God is doing. Amen. Our Sunday night service was just... Uh, I don't th- I don't know if there's words that can uh, adequately describe, Amen, what we got to feel here on uh, Sunday night, Amen. Sunday morning uh, had a wonderful move of God. Um, I, I that I know of, we have one gentleman that has committed to being baptized, Amen. If there's anyone else here that has not been baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, we're ready. The water's ready. We've got ropes. We've got towels. You can leave as dry as you came, but you'll leave cleaner than you came. Amen. Praise God. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen. Praise God. There's nothing like it, having that Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. Amen. But I'm thankful for Wednesday night Bible studies uh, for... Uh, I love the Word of God. I mean, you can just open it up every time, every day. You can read it your whole life. And uh, though I'm not 90 years old, but if the Lord tarries and I make it to 90 years old, there will still, uh, I'll only know a fraction of what the Word of God has to offer. And so there's always something we can pull out of there, and it's timely. Amen. My, my, one of my prayers is uh, not only to know the will of God, uh, but there's a second portion of that, and that's knowing the timing of God. And if you can know the will of God and the timing of God, amen, we can know the will of God but be in the wrong time. And so I, want, I pray to be timely, and as Pastor was mentioning uh, we are in a spiritual warfare, and uh, Pastor, uh, leading up to uh, this revival in this month, uh, I'd call Pastor periodically, and he would tell me every time, uh, be prepared because you're going into a battle, and uh, which is usually the case because um, every time you try to stir up a little dust, the enemy uh, does everything he can to oppose you. But I heard a man say one time, um, he told the story of uh, climbing Mount Everest. And it's the tallest mountain in the world, uh, to my knowledge. And he was mentioning as you were climbing this mountain, it's no uh, feeble task. It's uh, something you must prepare for and you must be careful with. And uh, he talks about this uh, place called the death zone, which is when you reach a certain elevation in your climb. Uh, I'm not familiar with the footage. Um, You'd have to look it up uh, to get the exact footage. But as you're climbing Mount Everest, there comes a point where you cross the threshold into that death zone. And uh, your trainers and your coaches will tell you in that death zone, if someone in your group falls out, to, to not try to drag them up the mountain yourself because 
you will die helping them. And you can look at pictures on the internet and you'll see there's dead bodies all throughout this death zone. And because of the temperature being below freezing, they're just sitting there. They do not decompose. There's people uh, sitting with their knees up. And there's people, that, I mean, they just all throughout this death zone. So they encourage you to, if, if someone in your uh, group fails or they fall and they pass out, uh, they encourage you not to help them. Because you're going to die in the process. It's, so it's a, it's a very strenuous thing. I'm not preaching this tonight. Uh, my point is, once you make it through that death zone, you've made it to the top of the mountain. You've reached your goal. You've made, you've finished the course. And uh, the principle is, the opposition is always at its greatest right before a breakthrough. So though we may be battling right now, and, and we may have all of uh, hell fighting against us, opposing us. There's a breakthrough on the horizon. Amen. Praise God. And uh, after much prayer, uh, my wife and I, we've uh, prayed and fasted about this. And um, I believe that Sunday night is, uh, was God giving us a glimpse of what he wants us to have on a perpetual basis. That when we get through the other side, this is what God wants us to have. Amen. But I'm, go- I'm here to tell you tonight that we're going to face some opposition along the way. Satan's not going to give it to us easy. And so I pray that uh, the word God's put on my heart tonight is timely. Um, I believe that it is the will of God. And so we will go into Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. Praise God. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. Jesus speaking, he says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And watch this. When thou art converted, when you make it to the other side, strengthen thy brethren. Praise God. Praise God. I want to preach to you tonight with the help of the Lord, God's method of development. God's method of development. Amen. If we can lay our Bibles down right now and lift up our hands and voices to the Lord. God, I pray that you would let your word break us, let it shape us, and let it mold us, God. That you would have your perfect will in this house tonight, Jesus. That there, whatever is hindering us, whatever any opposition, God, I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I speak freedom. I speak liberty in this place, O oh God. Minister to us tonight, Jesus. Help us to decrease so that you can increase. Place your words in my mouth, O God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. We often ask the question, 
Why the storm? Why the trial? Why is God allowing this opposition in my life? Why am I having to endure this suffering? And uh, I've learned that there are some storms in our lives that are the result of our actions. Some trials that we go through are simply the consequences of our decisions. It's when we must uh, face the music or lie in the bed that we have made. And then there are some storms that are life taking its natural course. They are inevitable. Uh, The book of Ecclesiastes, I believe it's chapter 3, talks about there's seasons in our lives. It's just the natural course of life. And then there are storms and there are trials that are placed in our lives by God. There are things that God allows in our life for a certain reason. And I want to encourage you tonight that whether it is the consequences of our actions or it's life taking its course or it is the plan of God for the storm, there is still an opportunity for us to grow and to develop. Our development is essential in our walk with God. Uh, I want to focus to you to, on, with you tonight the storms that God places in our lives. Uh, the book of James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The struggle of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I believe one of the greatest lies from the enemy is that because you are enduring a hardship, you must not be in the will of God. Because you're going through some suffering at the moment, there's a temporary crisis in your life, you must have missed the will of God. You must have made a mistake somewhere. You must have gotten off the path that God wanted you to be on, but I will submit to you tonight that you can be in the perfect will of God and still go through a storm. You can be precisely where God wants you to be and still endure a crisis. Uh, For example, the children of Israel, after God pulls them out of Egypt, He does not pick them up and place them into the promised land. They had to first go through the wilderness. Before acquiring the promise, they had to endure the wilderness. And if you read the New Testament Gospels, you will find that over multiple times, Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, you'll see Paul and Silas. Silas are led to Macedonia by God. They were in the will of God, but yet they were persecuted and beaten unjustly, and they were whipped and thrown into a Roman prison, but yet they were in the will of God. And the book of Job, chapter 1, God asked Satan, Work, whence comest thou? Satan says, I've come throughout the earth, walking up and down it and through it. And then in Job, chapter 1 and verse 8, watch this, God speaking, he says, 
Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now you look at that closely, you will find that Satan never asked God for Job. But rather God recommended Job to Satan. We often confuse the confidence that God has in us for the condemnation of God. But the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but by the Spirit. Just because you're going through something does not mean that God is condemning you. Just because you're going through a trial, it does not mean that God is rebuking you and that you've messed up, you've made a mistake. It very well could be the confidence of God saying, has you considered my servant Job? It could be that God has confidence in you. Praise God. And here we are in Luke 22, we have Jesus He says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, Jesus could have told Simon that I'm not going to allow this to happen, Pastor. He desires to have you, but I'm going to keep him from his will. He doesn't say that. Rather, he says, but I have prayed for you, Peter. In other words, he was saying, Peter, I'm going to allow Satan to have his way with you. I am going to allow Satan to turn your life upside down. And he uses these words, uh, uh, he uses these words intentionally to sift you as wheat. But notice he says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. I did not pray for your ego. I did not pray for your self-sufficiency. I didn't even pray for your physical strength because your strength will not be good enough, Peter. Your pride and your ego will not be good enough. What the only thing that's going to see you through to the other side, the only thing that I'm worried about is your faith. Praise God. Praise God. Your ego may be deflated. Your self-confidence may be stripped from you. But Peter, your faith uh, must prevail. Amen. Your faith may falter, Peter, but I have prayed that it will not fail. Jesus assured Peter that he would survive the ordeal or the process when he says, When thou art converted, Peter. This is important. It's just three words in the Bible, but these are words of assurance to Peter. When you are converted, when you make it to the other side, when you're done with the process, he was giving Peter a word of assurance that, Peter, you're going to make it through. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. Satan's going to do everything he can to destroy you. But remember, Peter, I've given you a 
your word and you can stand on that word and I'm here to tell you tonight when your world is crashing down and the enemy is raging against you you have a word from God that no weapon formed against you shall prosper I said, you've got a word from God that no, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, you can lean on the word of God when everything in your world is uncertain. You've got certainty. Hallelujah. You can walk on the word. You can lean on the word when everything in your life is stripped from you and you don't know which way is left and which way is up and down. You've got a word you can lean on. Hallelujah. We can lean on the word. We can lean on the word. Praise God. Jesus says he's going to sift you as wheat, Peter. These words, sifting as wheat, is a process. And the process begins with the wheat. They would take it to the threshing floor, Pastor. And the only way to get the chaff off of the wheat, it has to be beaten against the threshing floor. You have to thresh the wheat. You take it and you put it on a hard surface and you take, uh, in the days of old, they would take a wooden stick and they would beat the wheat over and over again to break the chaff or the, the, the shell, the casing off of the wheat. And we do not like to be beaten. We don't like to take a beating. We don't like to feel all this opposition against our life. But notice the only way to get the chaff off of the wheat is for it to get beaten. And then they would take the, the, the chaff and the wheat. It's, it's, it would take too long just to pull the wheat off of, out of the pile one by one. So they scrape it all together into a big pot or a bowl. And when the wind is blowing strong and there's a strong wind in the air, they take the chaff and they take the wheat and they throw it up in the air over and over again. And that wind, that strong wind that's blowing, blows the chaff out and out into the wind. It blows the chaff away and the wheat will, because of its weight, will fall back into the bowl. And they do it over and over again. They call it sifting the wheat. And the more they toss it into the wind, the more the chaff that gets blown away. And the definition, one definition of chaff is worthless stuff. It's, it's things that have no value. It's trash. And that's all it is. It's just trash. Things that are worthless in our lives. Things that don't really have any value that we are better without and they keep throwing it in the wind and that wind will blow the chaff away until they get to a point where all that remains is the wheat the sifting as wheat what I learned is a purification process 
It's a purification process. And, and we do not like to be thrown up into the wind. We don't like to be thrown into the storm. But we are that wheat. And we get tossed up to and fro. And, and we're constantly being thrown up into the wind. And the wind blows the chaff away. But what he was telling Peter is, Peter, if you just hold on to your faith in me, don't lose your faith. Trust in me, Peter. Don't worry about it everything else. It's going to be difficult. You won't be able to know everything in the midst of the process. But let your faith remain. And when you get done, Peter, he said you will be purified. When you get done with the process, Peter, you will be purified. It's going to clean you, Peter. It's going to make you better. And so God allows the sifting as wheat. He allows this process in our life. Why? To purify us. He allows it to purify us. But you see, Satan sees an opportunity. When you're being sifted as wheat, and God's allowing the process in your life, much like Job, Satan sees an opportunity to step in, and he wants you to curse God. So God's trying to develop you, but yet Satan sees an opportunity to destroy you. And if you try to lean upon your strength, or you lean upon your pride, or you try to handle things on your own, you're going to get destroyed in the process. But if you hold on to your faith in God, if you hold on to your faith in Him, you will be purified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan wants to destroy and nullify us, but God wants to strengthen and develop us. It's a purification process. If you just uh, hold on to your relationship with Him, uh, the storms in our life are crashing. Everything is turned upside down. The foundations uh, of my life are just falling and shaking. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. You just hold on to your faith within God. And when you make it to the other side, praise God, praise God. Why? Would Jesus allow this to happen? Why would Jesus allow this into Peter's life? Uh, he gives us a direct answer. He says, when you are converted. One translation says, when you return to me, Peter. He says, strengthen your brethren. Uh, when you make it to the other side, Peter, uh, strengthen your brethren. See, what we need to learn sometimes is uh, it's not always about us. Uh, I'm allowing this process in your life, Peter, not because of the, the impact it's going to have on you, but because of the impact uh, it's going to have on others. Uh, because you've been through something, Peter. I'm giving you a testimony and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Come on, Peter. I'm strengthening you. I'm purifying you, Peter, because you don't know the amount of souls that you're going to impact, Peter. In order for me, in order for you to be the man of God I've called you to be, in order for you to build the church I want you to build, Peter, you're going to have to be sifted as wheat. You're going to have to be purified. I need you to learn to have compassion on others, Peter. And now because you've been through something, now because you've got a testimony, now you will have compassion on others. 
Sometimes it's not always about us. Sometimes God allows this into your life because there's somebody in the street. You don't know it yet, but they're waiting on you. They're waiting on that testimony. And that testimony is going to lead them to these altars. You don't know it yet, but because you used to be addicted to drugs and you got through the other side and God strengthened you and purified you, now you've got a testimony. Now you can reach and save the lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm preparing you, Peter, for your ministry. I'm preparing you for your anointing. I'm preparing you for your calling. Hallelujah. If Paul and Silas were never in that Roman prison... If they had never felt the pain from those whips, uh, if they were never beaten unjustly, they would have never been able to share the gospel to that Roman jailer. If, if, if How many people in this world uh, through the ages of time uh, would have simply given up if it were not for the sufferings of Job? Uh, how many people when you're going through a hardship uh, and you're going through a suffering, you look back into the book of Job uh, and you find comfort uh, and you get encouraged uh, and strengthened because of the sufferings uh, of Job? Your sufferings uh, will help other people. If you've never lost yourself in the book of Job, you can learn so many things because of his sufferings. For instance, at the beginning of the whole thing, after he's lost everything that he ever knew, and his wife was telling him to curse God and die, in Job 1.21, he said, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was saying, I'm going to bless his name in the good times, and I'm going to bless his his name in the bad times. Hallelujah. In the middle of his process, in Job 23 and verse 8, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I could not see him. He says, I'm in the middle of the process. I'm being sifted as wheat. The enemy's doing his best against me, and I can't feel God. I don't see him anywhere near me. But he makes this statement, Pastor, in verse 10. He says, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, when I make it to the other side, side. He said, I'm not coming out the same way that I went in. He said, I'm going to shine like gold. I'm going to come out better some way, somehow. If you just hold on to your faith in God, you're going to come out better. Hallelujah. Well, you're going to come out better. You're going to come out stronger, Peter. You're going to come out more and you're going to come out anointed. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Job 42 and verse 5, here is his conclusion of the matter. He said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. 
I grew up in church. I went to the nursery. I know the songs, Jesus loves me. I know all the pretty stories in the Bible. But because of my sufferings, Jesus, because of the sufferings, God, now my eyes seeth thee. Because I've been through something. Because I've been in the lowest valley. Because I've been in the struggle. Now I'm closer to you. Our struggles bring us closer to God. Oh, help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. If we just keep our faith in Him, church, we may be weak sometimes, but God does not condemn us for being weak. He does not condemn you for being human. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Hallelujah. In all three of the Gospels, Jesus tells this parable of the sower and the seed. He says that some seeds fell by the wayside. And the, the fowls would come and pluck them up. And some fell upon stony places. But because they had no root, they died. And he talks about this, uh, the seeds that fell among thorns. And when they grew, they were choked up by the thorns. And then he makes this statement about the seed that fell on good ground. Brother Farhat. The seed that fell upon good ground. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 15, he says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, they keep it and bring forth fruit, watch this, with patience. You hear the word and you keep it and you bring forth fruit with patience. That fruit takes time. Because it fell on good ground, it was developed. Because it fell on good soil, it grew. It begs the question, what is it that makes soil good? What is it that makes the ground good? It is soil that has been prepared. I'm not an expert in horticulture. I'm not a gardener, nor am I a farmer. But I do know that soil that has been prepared for the planting of the seed is the best. It's not soil that has been left alone its whole life. It's, it's soil that has been through the process. It's soil that has been uh, through the cultivating process where it's been plowed and it's been tilled and you take a shovel or a rake and you dig deep into the earth and you pick it up and you turn it over and you beat it with the rake and it's per getting prepared for the process. You, you go through and you pluck the weeds out of the soil. You remove the rocks and the stones out of the soil. This whole process of cultivating the soil is getting picked up and turned around to bring that fresh nutrients uh, and it's aerating the, the soil so it's it's helping the seed for when you plant it to, we don't like it but we are that soil well, he goes on to say in the parable that the seed is the word of God but we are the soil and we like to be left alone we like it when we have perfect peace in our lives but God knows in order for you to develop into what I want you to be in order for you to grow into what I purpose for your life I've got to cultivate you from time to time and you ought to pick us up and turn us upside down and we've got to break us down in order to lift us up sometimes he's got to strip us from our ego and our pride and that worthless chaff that trash that excess that's in our lives 
And we don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But all the way, all along, God's doing something in the background. God's working in the midst. In the background, God's cultivating you for that anointing. He's preparing you for the calling that He has placed on your life. And once that gardener cultivates the soil, he prepares the soil, he plants the seed, and then he prays for rain. Soil not only has to be prepared, but it has to be rained on. The seed has to be rained on in order to bear fruit. There's not a, there's not a plant in this world that can survive without water. Nowadays, we're so dependent, self-dependent upon ourselves. We have our own irrigation systems, and we can do all these sorts on our own. But back in the days of old... There was no such thing, and they literally would, they would plant that seed in faith, and then they would pray for the rain. Think about that. They did not pray, God, let every day be sunny upon its life. But he said, in order for that gardener knew, in order for that seed to grow into what I have purposed for it to be, in order for it to become developed, I'm going to need a few storms to come in and rain upon that soil so that seed can grow. You do not know it, but you need that storm in your life to develop you. We need that opposition to grow us. Hallelujah. The, the, the lightning storm, it provides some of the greatest benefits to the soil and to the seed. Our, our atmosphere is approximately 78% nitrogen. That nitrogen by itself cannot be, a, uh, the soil cannot attach itself or soak in that nitrogen by itself. And every lightning strike there is, every lightning bolt there is, that electric current strips that nitrogen apart. And that nitrogen attaches itself to oxygen and becomes nitrogen dioxide. And then that nitrogen dioxide, it dissolves in water. And so it attaches itself to the raindrop and it falls to the earth in the form of nitrates. And, and that nitrates hits to the soil and it's, it's, it becomes a fertilizer for the seed and for the soil. And that's why whenever after a thunderstorm, your yard is more lush and more green after a thunderstorm than if you were to water it with your regular water here in Lufkin. But what I'm trying to tell you is that that storm creates something that we cannot get otherwise. There's something in the storm that you cannot find on the seashores of peace. There's something, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something in the valley that I cannot get on top of the mountain of prosperity. There's something that the storm brings out in us that we cannot get elsewhere. It's nature's natural course of fertilization. It's the God, God's natural course of fertilization. There's something in the storm we cannot get on the seashores of peace. That storm brings something out of us. Paul the apostle that was born out of due time said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, watch this. Therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we also have access by faith 
into His grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Watch this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. We glory in the sufferings knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. That great apostle said it's the tribulations and the trials in your life that bring forth patience and perseverance. And that patience and perseverance creates experience. And that experience gives birth to hope. It's the process of development. But watch this. He said it starts off with tribulation. But if you hold on to your faith with God, it's going to end in hope. It starts off in suffering. But if you trust in the Lord, Peter, it's going to end in hope. Hallelujah. What he was saying is the very thing the enemy has devised to defeat you, Job, is the very thing that God is using to develop you. The storm the enemy has wrought upon your life to bring you down, God has allowed that same storm to lift you up. It doesn't make any sense, but he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the creator, and when he created you, he placed a fortitude and a perseverance and determination in you. You were designed to be victorious. You were not created to be a doormat. You were born to walk in victory. Hallelujah. It's no wonder that great apostle says we know that all things work together for good to those that love God. That if God be for us, who can be against us? That if we keep our faith in God, the trials, the tribulation, the adversity, they do not destroy you. They develop you. Worship leaders, if you would come, I'm coming to a close. Those storms that God allows in our life, there's a purpose for the storm. There's a purpose for the struggle. It's going to make you better. Praise God. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, this is years later after, after the sifting as wheat, after Peter's been through the process Watch what, he, watch what he says. Years later, not long before his death, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Pastor, he knew this better than anyone because he was the one that Jesus said, You're going to be sifted as wheat. Peter says, I know what I'm talking about. I've been through the process. I've been sifted as wheat. And he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But watch this in verse 9. He says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Not your strength, not your ego, not your self-sufficiency. Your faith is the only thing that's going to get you through. Your faith is the only thing that's going to be strong enough. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Watch this. But the grace 
but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while. This is his conclusion. After you've been through the process, make you perfect. It's going to perfect you. It's going to establish you. It's going to strengthen and it's going to settle you. Out of, the, out of the words of his own mouth, he says, if you hold on in the faith, it's going to perfect you. It doesn't feel good right now. Your world's being tossed upside down. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there's opposition. There's, this, there's, a, there's an enemy that's trying his best to devour you, but if you hold on to your faith, he said it's going to establish and it's going to settle you. Praise God, praise God. And if I can just sum it all up in just a few sentences, I would tell you that God and Satan both use the storm. Satan will use the storm to push you away from God, while God will use it to bring you closer to Him. Satan will use the storm to devour you, but God is allowing the storm to develop you. And so many fall by the wayside because they give up. They lose faith. They lose hope. Praise God. This last year at General Conference is my first General Conference to ever go to. <clears throat> I had an evangelist come up to me that I've never met. And he's, he's well known. If I were to say his name, you'd probably know him. But he comes up to me. He shakes my hand. We've never met before in my life. He looks me dead in the eye and he says... I've got a word from God. He says, you cannot have a valid anointing without suffering. He said, the anointing that God wants to give you will not come cheap. And so, I tell my wife that later that night, and we were both troubled. I almost wish she didn't, uh, would have never told me that. And so I talked to my pastor about it, and I said, Pastor, what do you think about this? <clears throat> and he says, that is a general word. It was for you, but as is everyone else. We're going to have to go through the struggle, the trial. But it's going to bring something out of you. It's going to bring something out of you that you did not know was there. And ever since then, I can, my wife will agree with everything I said. There has been trial after trial after trial after trial. And the beginning of the year in January was such a hard month for us. I, I totaled our, our vehicle, and I, I should have died in the car accident. But God pulled me through. They ran me to the ambulance because they feared my spleen was at internal bleeding. And they'd done three CAT scans, and they said, well, the good news is your spleen is fine, but the bad news is you may have cancer. And so here we are. We've been in this. I haven't had any ver verification of anything, but all I know is I'm in the process. And the enemy is doing his best, but I will not lose my faith in God. And I'm here to tell you tonight... 
Whatever you're going through, if you hold on to your faith in Him, you're going to make it to the other side. And you're going to strengthen your brethren. And it's going to perfect you and it's going to strengthen you. Would you stand with me tonight, church? Praise God. Praise God. It's God's method of development. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. History does not record the death of, uh, the Bible does not record the death of Peter. But history tells us that he was crucified in Rome. Matter of fact, he felt unworthy to die the same manner that Jesus did. So he begged the Romans to crucify him upside down. But before he was crucified upside down, they led his wife out there, out of the city. And he was forced to watch his wife be tortured and crucified before his own eyes. And history says that he would call out her name while she's in the course of all this agony and all this pain. He would call out her name and he would yell three words time and time again. He would call out her name and he would say, Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. That great apostle learned in his suffering, if I will just remember the Lord, if you will just remember the Lord in your suffering, if you will just remember the Lord in your hardship, I don't know when, but there's going to come a day you're going to make it to the other side. You're going to shine like gold, and you're going to be better. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be developed. You're going to be matured. I said it Sunday night. I'm going to say it again. We don't choose the mountains, and we don't choose the valleys, but we do choose who gets the glory. We can sit back and do nothing and let Satan have his victory. Or you can lift your hands tonight and say, despite of my circumstances, in spite of what I'm going through, God, I have faith in you. I choose you, God. That great apostle could have said anything to his wife, but he said, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. And I'm just telling somebody here tonight, remember the Lord. We're going to make it through the other side. God's going to have his will. God's going to have his way. And we're going to be better. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be perfect. We're going to be established. And we're going to be settled. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, God. We thank you for your word tonight, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sift me as wheat if you must. Do what you must with me, God, to have your perfect will in my life. But I will trust in you, God. I will lean upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God.